Matthew 26 this morning, continuing our series uh, through Lent called Unlocking. If you didn't get a key, there's still keys up here. We're inviting people to carry these around through Lent and uh, on your keychain or wherever's convenient for you. And every time you see this key, just a brief prayer to God. God, what are you unlocking within me? Uh, Before we jump into Matthew 26, I want to give you kind of a a brief overview of everything Baymarin is engaged in uh, when it comes to outreach. Uh, Because uh, we've been very strategic for the last several years around what we're engaged in, but sometimes um, we forget these things or uh, maybe I just do a bad job of reminding you all. Uh, So let's start with this. Our our values are abide, belong, create, and demonstrate. So hopefully easily Easy to remember, ABCD, abide, belong, create, demonstrate. Uh, And so we have uh, outreach partners that we partner with. Uh, One directly ties to create, and that is creative interfaces. How many of you were here last Sunday? Seven of you, great. Uh, So uh, the seven of you got to listen to Dr. Dave Robinson uh, share last Sunday. Um, And Dave is the executive director of Creative Interfaces, along with his wife, Karen, uh, two of the most amazing human beings you'll ever meet on this planet. Uh, And so they run Creative Interfaces. And next slide, this is the beautiful home, Cedar House, that they and uh, four four others live in. And so it's a communal living. And they hold events here. They hold house concerts here. uh, And they exist and I'll probably get this wrong, and next time Dave teaches, he can correct what I say. Uh, But they they exist in many ways to help us live into what it looks like to be fully human, that we all have the divine imprint in us, and part of the divine imprint is creativity. And if you say, I'm not creative, it's because somebody in your life suppressed that. Uh, We are all born creative, and uh, if that isn't emerging in some capacity, it is waiting to be birthed because it exists within all of us. And so you don't have to be a visual artist, you don't have to be a musician, there is some creative capacity within you because you have the divine imprint within you and a lot of what they exist to do is help see that birth, see that emerge uh, within all of us. Is that a fair, did I do all right? Okay. Um, So that's our create value and we partner with Creative Interfaces. Uh, Next, uh, demonstrate partners. We partner with organizations that are focused on at-risk women, children, and families in Marin and Mexico. Uh, Marin, because that's where we reside. Mexico, not not because uh, there aren't plenty of other great organizations to partner with that are working in other uh, countries around the world, but several years ago when we decided to really be strategic about what we were doing with outreach, uh, we made a decision that we wanted to focus on one country, not be spread out all over the place. And it came down to, for us, Mexico or Haiti, and and Mexico won. Uh, uh, For a couple of reasons. One, because they're literally our our neighbor. Uh, And um, because of it's just easier for us to get to Mexico than it is to Haiti. And we really felt God was directing us to Mexico to partner with Mexico. Uh, Part of that reason also was because we had people within our midst that were already doing great work in Mexico. And 
they moved to Mexico, you know Phil and Mindy Steiner. So that's one of our partners, Be to Live. Uh, and you'll recognize some folks in this picture. Uh, down in La, La Misión is where Phil and Mindy Steiner moved to. And so we continue to partner with Be to Live, who is working with at-risk uh, children and families in Mexico, uh, mainly working with orphanages down there. They're working with a daycare that exists in many ways to try to keep families together rather than abandoning the children. And so it's really exciting, and they bring students and groups from Marin down to Mexico to join them to work alongside the folks in Mexico. Um, <clears throat> what do we got next? Gilead House. So we partner with Gilead House, which actually was started by Bay Marin many, many years ago, long before I came here. And uh, Gilead House exists to work with at-risk women and children. Uh, a lot of the women who live at the Gilead House are coming out of domestic violence situations, and they have a safe place to be at the Gilead House. And they go through a program there that helps them get back on their feet and be able to be self-sustaining and to provide for themselves and their children. Uh, exciting thing about Gilead House, which you may not be aware of, is probably two, three years ago now, uh, they received some significant donations where they were able to buy a small apartment complex. I believe it's eight units. Because a lot of women who were graduating from the program weren't quite ready to just be on their own. And so they're calling it, I think, Gilead House Phase 2 or something like that, where they can move out of the Gilead House into this apartment complex uh, and be there and have uh, affordable housing as they continue to get back on their feet. So we're thrilled to continue to partner with Gilead House. There's opportunities to get to serve at the Gilead House. If you have any questions about, hey, how can I be involved with the Gilead House? You can see me. You can see Ashley Hurd. You can see Rebecca Courtney back there, uh, that we all can help connect, Cashy Brister as well, uh, we can all help you get connected to the Gilead House. Um, our next partner is Plant with Purpose. Uh, we partner with Plant with Purpose. Plant with Purpose works in, I think, eight or nine countries around the world. We specifically partner with Plant with Purpose in the work they're doing in southern Mexico in Oaxaca. Uh, I just met with a couple of representatives of Plant with Purpose this past week, and they gave us an update. And uh, so we've been uh, sponsoring a village in Oaxaca, Trementina, for, uh, I think, five, six years, Kevin? Five or six years? Five years. Um, and uh, Dave Lubickman uh, let me know. He's our uh, connection with Plant with Purpose. He let me know that 2019, this village will graduate. Uh, they will... Yeah, so thanks to you all and the generous support uh, you have offered uh, Plant With Purpose, th this village will be self-sustaining. They will be back on their feet. They will just go. And so uh, we'll have the opportunity to reevaluate after 2019. Uh, do we want to sponsor another village? What, what's God leading us to? Because Trementina uh, will have received all the assistance they needed, and they will going for it. So uh, Plant with Purpose exists. They, they have three primary areas of focus. They are looking to uh, work among the rural poor to provide economic empowerment, uh, environmental sustainability, and spiritual development. So economic, environmental, spiritual. And they work with these villages uh, to bring about formation in all three of those areas. So um, for some time, Bamerin has been, uh, the leadership of Bamerin has been exploring, uh, is there another local partner 
uh, or local organization that we could partner with because we're, we're doing a lot of great work and we're really excited about it. Uh, one thing we've recognized is that there aren't a significant amount of opportunities for us to jump in and really be the hands and feet unless we go to Mexico or uh, when Gilead House provides opportunities or Creative Interfaces provides opportunities to, to serve alongside them. And so uh, we've been praying and discerning for, I think, about two years now. Uh, God, what organization are you inviting us to partner with? And uh, I'm thrilled to let you know that at the last board meeting uh, that I wasn't at because I wasn't feeling well, uh, the board unanimously agreed that uh, Marin Foster Care is a local partner we're going to partner with. As you know, last month uh, we supported Marin Foster Care with some needs uh, of a family, Marin Foster Care, and so we have uh, agreed to partner with Marin Foster Care. Um, and it's exciting. We have two, uh, you may not be aware of this, but we have two families in our midst who are foster parents, Tom and Barbara Sabido. Tom, can you uh, raise your hand? How long have you been a foster parent, Tom? 14 years. It's awesome. And Riley and Ashley Hurd in the back there. And you guys for about two years? Three. Okay. Um, so very, very exciting. Um, you may be wondering, hey, we're a small church. How do, we, how do we have so many partners? How are we able to do this? Because you all are so generous and we're able to partner uh, with these organizations and uh, really focus on at-risk women, children, and families. You also know we had significant efforts uh, when the fires hit in Sonoma and Napa. And we were able to, for three weeks, open the doors of the student center, and it was just chaos in there for three weeks as we had tons of things donated and tons of things moving back out. Things came in, things went out. Things came in, things went out. And it was fantastic for three weeks. Uh, but the reality is this is a long-term investment, a long-term project. Rebuilding is going to take a long time. And so uh, a lot of folks who lost everything uh, thank God, are receiving uh, homeowners insurance or uh, our government assistance in some way. And so we, we were thinking, how do we continue to help in the rebuilding efforts? And, and God brought this church family into our lives, a church in Petaluma that we are partnering with uh, to continue to help with ongoing fire relief. And they are connected to a number of families who had no homeowners insurance. And so we said, Will you give us one of those families? Can we come alongside one of those families? So this is uh, the Rodriguez family. And uh, I want to make sure I get their names right. Did everyone get, I don't even have it. Did you get uh, inside your program? OK, so you have the information. So it's Samuel, and what's her name? Teresa Rodriguez and their son. Uh, they were living in a mobile home on a ranch, and it was completely destroyed. And they had no insurance, and uh, the owner of the ranch is unable to provide another mobile home, but invited th them to live in a studio apartment on the ranch uh, for a time. But there's no kitchen in, in the studio, and so they're in need of uh, a whole lot of things. And so we have said, hey, we, we want to be a part of helping the Rodriguez family. So you can see on the insert in your program all the things that the Rodriguez family needs. We have set up an Amazon wish list page. Uh, and so you can go onto that page and purchase things for the Rodriguez family. Also, Ashley is uh, spearheading this effort for us. So you can talk to Ashley about anything 
regarding the Rodriguez family and how you can be a part of coming alongside of them and helping them at this time. Uh, Ashley put up a board back there with all kinds of little things you can take off. You can look at that board on your way out and say, oh, I could get that for the Rodriguez family, or I could get that, and you can just take something and then bring it back here, Ashley. Okay, so bring it back here on a Sunday. So for the month of March, we're hoping to provide a, a bunch of the needs the Rodriguez family has, and so you can bring those things here, and uh, we can get them to the Rodriguez family. If you want to support the Rodriguez family financially, uh, there's two ways you can do that. One is write a check to Bay Marin, and in the memo line, put fire, fire relief. Uh, and it, any of those checks we get during the month of March will go to the Rodriguez family. Uh, do not put Rodriguez family in the memo line, because the IRS doesn't like that. So just put fire relief. And then I, I'll, I need to check with Brian, but we'll, uh, if it's not in the uh, giving option online, it, there should be a drop-down menu. And if it was taken off, we'll get fire relief put back on there. And uh, you could give online, pick fire relief, and we'll give that money to the Rodriguez family. All right? So that's what we're up to outreach-wise. I am thrilled about it. I'm super excited more than ever, uh, to be a part of this place and what God has us doing. And uh, so let's pray together and we'll jump into Matthew 26. God, thank you for inviting us into this kingdom movement. God, thank you for allowing us to get to be a part of bringing shalom, bringing heaven to earth, bringing your goodness and beauty and joy and hope. God, as we open the text this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts, our eyes, and ears. I pray that you would surprise us this morning with your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So Matthew 26. So uh, through Lent, we have been on this journey with Jesus towards the cross. And we uh, started Lent uh, talking about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, that uh, there are different ways to enter a city uh, if you're a would-be messiah. You can enter on a war horse, which most would-be messiahs did, or like Jesus, you can enter on a donkey. Uh, there are two ways to enter a conversation. There are different ways to enter a room, whether it be a classroom, a boardroom, a living room, a bedroom, uh, on a war horse, or with humility and grace and love on a donkey. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, then he proceeds this, uh, what is called the action in the temple. He overturns tables and he has some harsh words for the religious leaders of his day. And he is, he is bringing about a great reversal. It says, uh, the lame and the blind came to him. Those who had been previously excluded are now included. Those who have been pushed out uh, by the religious elite of Jesus' day. Jesus is the great shepherd who has come to invite everyone into this movement that he has begun. And then uh, Dave spoke last week on the nature of authority. Uh, so then Jesus gives a number of teachings, many in parable form. And then in Matthew 26, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is in two days, is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Now, Jesus had told his disciples this a couple of times previously. He had been preparing them that we're going to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, I'm going to die. 
Uh, this is something the disciples have not been able to accept. Uh, and here Jesus is reminding them again that, that I am on a mission. I have set my face towards Jerusalem. I am going to Jerusalem and, and I will die at the hands of the chief priests. Verse 3, then the chief priests and elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So the chief priests have this emergency meeting. This guy, Jesus, is disrupting things. He's got this great following. He has the favor of the people. They want him to be king. This spells trouble for us. The chief priests are about self-preservation. They have their temple. They have everything they want. Uh, They have chosen to be friendly with Rome so they can maintain their position of power and keep the temple and keep uh, uh, things the way they like them. And this Jesus has come in and has disrupted all of that. And they are afraid that they could lose everything they have built, everything they have worked towards, if this Jesus becomes king. If the crowds continue to follow Jesus, we could lose everything. And so out of a spirit of fear and self-preservation, they say, we've got to get rid of them. There's no other way to keep our stuff other than to get rid of this guy who is questioning our authority who is questioning everything about the institution, who is coming after us. So we have to get rid of Jesus. So they have an emergency meeting with Passover coming. And they say, but but not during the festival, not during Passover. See, for, for Jesus, he comes as the new Passover lamb, bringing about a new exodus. For Jesus, Passover is about freedom. Passover is about celebration. Passover is about a new day. Passover is about liberation. For the chief priests, Passover is just an inconvenient time to execute a prophet. And so they say, let's wait till after the festival, and then we can arrest this guy and kill him. The story moves while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper. So Matthew, uh, he doesn't say anything in passing. And so when Matthew says uh, Jesus is in the home of Simon the leper, he's inviting us to pay attention to that and say, oh, yeah, reminding us, these are the people Jesus hangs out with, those on the outside, those who have been excluded. Here are the chief priests in their palace, in, in their place of safety, having a meeting, scheming to arrest and kill Jesus. And here's Jesus in the home of a leper at a meal. He's at the home of Simon the leper. And a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Uh, Other gospel tellings say that this perfume was worth a year's wages, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me 
for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. I don't think there's anywhere else that Jesus gives this kind of praise to anyone else and says, wherever this gospel is preached, this woman will be remembered. And so what we have in this scene is the chief priests in their safe place scheming to arrest Jesus. Jesus hanging out at the home of a leper with a woman anointing him and the disciples complaining about it. Notice something here. Uh, Jesus does not reprimand the disciples for wanting to care for the poor. Okay, Jesus has been teaching for three years and, and a big part of his teaching is care for the poor. And so he's not saying don't care for the poor. He's saying, of course care for the poor, and you're always going to have the poor with you, but there's something going on here that you don't quite understand, and it is this extravagant love this woman is placing on me because she has this sense of who I am and what is about to happen. Uh, Next slide. When people start to be captivated by Jesus and his path to the cross, the love this produces 